Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. And guys, today we are going to start with football. We're going to talk about the current state of the Memphis football program, give an outlook for the next couple weeks and what it looks like once the season resumes. We'll talk a little bit about potential replacement dates for the Memphis-Houston game, then we'll get into some basketball recruiting towards the end. But as I said, we're starting with football. Uh, If you missed the news, you must live under a rock. Memphis's game that was scheduled for this Friday against Houston was canceled uh, on Saturday. Football activities were put on pause on Friday. So it was a busy weekend for Memphis football and not in a positive direction necessarily. But guys, there seems to be a lot of surprise that this happened. Why is it not surprising? Why Why would it be surprising? I mean, we're in the middle exactly. of a pandemic, and I mean, you look across the country, look at football programs that haven't even stepped foot on the field, haven't traveled, haven't played other teams. They're having outbreaks. You, I mean, you, you look almost everywhere where there's an uptick in activity, where there's face-to-face contact with individuals, and there's outbreaks. It happens. It's gonna. It's just like living in a world when we're in flu season, it just spreads. It is what it is. It's going to happen. It's not if, but when. So, you know, whether it be a, a damn, you know, tanker truck or a fire, you know, fire truck or, uh, you know, an 18 wheeler or like a, a Dane cook, uh, dump truck, with mattresses in the back with people rolling around in it. I don't care what in the world was involved here. It it could be just regular day-to-day activities that causes an outbreak, uh, an outbreak, um, a spread of the virus within the program. The reality was this was always going to happen at some point. So Memphis went into that Arkansas state game down some guys. I mean, you ha- you saw what four or five guys sideline going into that game from the secondary alone uh and then some guys that weren't even in the too deep that were still not sure where they were so memphis went into that game with some guys in quarantine and were acting like it was like all of a sudden they went from zero to some massive outbreak no this has been a slow steady thing it's going to happen and then flip the coin to the other side, Arkansas State in their game after against Memphis the, the next weekend, they go into that game and right before, their two deep is missing 13 guys. 13 guys from Arkansas State that played the week prior against Memphis were missing from the roster because of quarantine. If that doesn't speak to just common outbreak within programs that are doing normal day-to-day business, as an athletic program, then I don't know what does. It's just going to happen. Am I crazy? Like y'all disagree? No, not, no, not at all. And, and as we typically do, I think it's kind of, kind of time to steer this narrative in a different direction. I think everyone's tired of hearing about what caused it and what happened and, and everything in that, 
you're kind of in that narrative and move on to what this means because Memphis is missing a game right now. Obviously, they plan on rescheduling at some point. Um, but this was a big opportunity for them. As, as we saw in the AP Top 25, their number 16 team in the country. Uh, the Houston game was a big opportunity for them in the conference opener to get their first conference win and potentially continue to move up in the top 25. Uh, so they are missing a big game. Let's let's just call it is it is what it is. Um, it's it's unfortunate for the players and the staff. I know they were looking forward to this game as a big opportunity uh, to play a talented Houston team at home early in the season and kind of build momentum towards UTSA. Now you have football activities paused, no practice, uh, not exactly sure when they're going to resume yet, and then they go uh, to U- UTSA for their first road game next week after after obviously not playing on Friday, September 18th. So uh, it does suck for them. Obviously, it's 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 tough to have a game schedule that you have to miss, especially a conference opener. So now it's time to regroup. Uh, Ryan Silverfield has been facing adversity since day one. Uh, this is kind of just an, uh, another another little bit of adversity he's having to overcome. And it's it's certainly not going to be easy. Like I said, to to have everybody focused at a certain point, play a game, win, look at expectations toward the next week, get everything shut down, and then have to regroup, re-motivate, get everything back together, and then prepare to face a different team on the road uh, after only playing one game. So so now instead of getting that one week by that we thought was going to be huge for them uh, to kind of clean up what they had to clean up from Arkansas State, they now get a two-week bye with a lot less practice mixed in between. So it's a difficult situation. This is what we're looking at for college football this year. Uh, it shouldn't surprise anybody. It's what's going to happen. 90 to 100 college players on every team um, without a bubble. It's going to be almost impossible to stop outbreaks on teams. So this is this is college football in the in the COVID era. It's, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. Uh, but fortunately, they knew that coming into the season. They knew it wasn't going to be a cakewalk. They knew they weren't going to play every game when it was scheduled. So this is just another bit of adversity they have to overcome, and you have to get your guys ready, motivate, clean up what you have to clean up, and get ready for your first road game of the year. Well, I mean, if we're talking about what this means and like what the the actual result of this is, is I mean, this is a weird way to look at it, and it's not necessarily ideal. the The ideal situation would be for nobody to actually come down with it. But that's not happening. This is not an ideal world or an ideal situation. But the reality now is that approximately a quarter of Memphis's meaningful roster has an antigen for COVID. They they actually have a temporary immunity to COVID. So, I mean, it's it's not ideal. But that's one way to look at it is that you've got kind of a quarter of your roster out of the way uh, so that you can clear clear some room uh, for them the rest of the season. Uh, but the other thing it does is like, honestly, I think that Houston game was too early, in, uh, too early in the year for Memphis. Like looking at the defensive effort against Arkansas State, nothing again. Yeah, like they have some kinks to work out. They need to get back into real game reps, real – real time against other players. They need to work out some kinks in their schemes. They they needed that. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Like that that is danger zone for Memphis going in week two after a one week bye against Houston. Uh and not really having the time to work out all of the issues with, you know, timing on offense, defensive schemes, uh, you know, what are they doing? 
But, you know, now they push it back later in the season. They have more time to work on that. They can get back on the practice field. They didn't have a ton of time to prepare leading up to the start of the season as it is. So I think that's also a positive for this Memphis team. So that's that's the only thing you can do in a situation like this is just try to look at all of the positives, try to spin it as much as you can, and move forward. You just control what you can control, try to get it back in check, and move forward. Yeah, and I think that's a great outlook because, as I mentioned, you're always going to be hyped for a conference opener, especially when it's at home. So I know they were ready for that, but were they really ready for that is also a very good question. Now you have another inferior opponent in UTSA, another opportunity to go clean up your game. And, oh, by the way, that Arkansas State team that they beat by 13 points was down 13 players and just went and beat a Power 5 team on the road. Kansas State isn't the most talented team in the country uh, by any means, but you know, for Arkansas State to go beat a Power Five team is is big for them, and it shows that they are a formidable pro- a formidable program, and that they were a tougher matchup than some people may have thought for Memphis. But uh, yeah, Brooks, like you mentioned, another opportunity to go play an inferior opponent in a game that you should pretty easily win, even though it is your first road game of the season, and then you go straight into SMU. You've got a huge now your conference opener is uh, you know, one of the top, I think it was listed as a top 15 game in college football this season by 247 Sports. So it's a big game. That's that's going to be your conference opener now in a road matchup against arguably the best offense in the conference. And then you come home and play uh, UCF. So after that UTS, UTSA game, Memphis has to be ready. So it does give them a couple more weeks to prepare, to get ready for conference play. Uh, play against an inferior opponent that they should be able to work out some of those kinks you were talking about with uh, and just clean everything up overall before they go on on that two-game gauntlet, which is going to be uh, pretty big for the season. So when, when do we do this Houston game? Like, where does it fit? What makes the most sense? So while everybody else was worried about, you know, the factors that went into it and everything else, I, as I said earlier, kind of shifted directions and and went into a different direction with it and tried to dig as much as I could on replacement dates because obviously that that plays a big part into the season. Initially on Saturday, I was told by a source very close to the program uh, that the two dates being looked at or two potential times being looked at was September 25th, which is the UT- UTSA game, um, and then after the Tulane game, which the Tulane game is the last game of the season. Uh, I I don't think it's going to be the UTSA week. I don't think it's going to be September 25th. I think they're going to keep that game on schedule. And I think every every sign right now points towards the week after the Tulane game uh, in early December, which I believe was supposed to be the conference championship game. I'm not a hundred percent on that. That could be the week after that. Um, but it's a little. It's it's going to be in December now. So if if the conference championship is that next week or the 12th, uh, everything gets a little more crunched together. I'm not sure what that does for the conference schedule necessarily if they change some things around I will have to wait and see on that but I fully expect the Memphis Houston game to now be Memphis's last game of the season after the Tulane game so uh, uh it'll, it'll be a good way to finish the season for them Houston is typically towards the back half of the schedule anyway um and if they are battling for a spot uh in the in the division and they need a game to win the division and come out and go into the conference championship, that Houston game could actually end up being a huge deciding factor uh, for the AAC West. Well, uh, I think we've killed the the talk of Houston of COVID within football. 
I mean, I'm a Can little. Can I say one thing real quick? I'm a little tired. Can I say, Kenny? I'm, I'm, let me say just. I just. I just said I'm tired. I, I'm tired of it. I just. I just want to say one thing. I'm kidding. You can talk. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Thank Kenny. You. Hey, Kenny's here. Do I have everybody. a song? <laughs> Do I have a song? No. It's Kenny. Just talk. No, I'm just laughing. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, here's the thing, and as we and I love what Christian said at the beginning of the show, talking about changing the narrative and pushing it forward. Um, you know, one of the things that is unique to um, Go Tigers two four seven compared to a lot of the other news organizations in the city is that you've got three guys who are from Memphis, who have grown up here, who know the people, um, who are a part of um, this city and a part of the people, and you know, <clears throat> I think it's a very real and relevant thing to say to just Brooks says this almost a weekly, especially when there's kind of an uproar, especially on our boards. But if there's an uproar in the Twitter world or anything like that um, regarding the university of Memphis is just to sit back, sit down and calm down, just sit back and relax. Like just, just, just relax. And I think that, um, you know, that's the biggest thing that I would say to everybody right now is, is just take a, take a break and, and relax. Um, the sky is not falling here. Um, and, and I think that that is something that, that we as Memphians have to remember about sports and about our sports programs is that we are, um, and I think every fan base is this way, but for some reason it feels a little bit more, um, intense here. Maybe it's because I live here. Um, but it feels like to me that there's, there's a, a level of, of the sky is falling when things like, um, you know, COVID situation happens with the team or even down to the lower level of how the defense looked in the first possession of the first, um, game of the year within a new system. And, and I think that, um, you know, with, with with everything that's happening in the world and with everything that's going on is let's let's take a step back and 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 believe the best about um about how these things are going to play out that the sky is not falling that every program is going to experience the the this last week that the tigers are, have experienced every program in the country you can see it all over the news today how many big time programs are experiencing incredible um, outbreaks of of COVID within their within their um, department or within their team? Um, these things are going to happen, and and so not only are we going to get past it, um, the team is going to be um, they're going to know how to handle it moving forward. They're going to be healthier, and number two, it's going to give the opportunity for them to get better at their game and, and get better within their systems. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say it just like how Brooke says it, man, let's just take a break. Let's calm down. Um, and let's start looking forward instead of believing the worst and that the sky is falling down around the university of Memphis. That's a tremendous point. And, and let's just remember a month ago, we weren't even sure if we were going to have a college football season. We weren't even sure if we were going to be able to cover University of Memphis games. We weren't even sure if fans were going to be allowed in stands. And guess what? 
things are looking up, people. So let's just, in Kenny's words this week, chill out. Let's just take a step back and relax. And I think that is the perfect time for us to take a quick little break, hear from our sponsors, and come back on the other side, talk a little uh, basketball recruiting, maybe a little basketball, just college basketball talk in general, and then wrap this thing up. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. So now let's talk a little bit about top list, edits, recruiting. We yeah, we were joking in in the break about the uh, the way that players do their top list nowadays, and it's so funny. Like you see some dudes, they're just like straight to business. Like you know, Jordan Nesbitt, he has not said a single word on hardly anything. He hadn't even really released list and now he's cut into a top three. We'll get to that in a minute. But then you have on the other side, you have uh, a guy like Debo Coleman uh, who it apparently just now is starting his recruiting process and is making a list of like 432 teams. Uh, he's even got D2 and NAI AI schools on his, his list. <laughs> but but for real, Christian, uh, Devo just cut his list down and released a top eleven. What do those teams look like? What you know? Where's Memphis fit in? Yeah, there? I, I kind of agree with your sentiment on on dropping top lists, and and like you said, I enjoy the guys that are just like you don't even know it's coming, and they immediately drop a top five, and you're like, oh wow, this is all the schools that are left from his thirty five offers. Now the kids that go like top twenty, top fifteen, top eight top five and then final three it's just like okay this is way too much to keep up with but but yeah as you mentioned Debo Coleman dropped his top 11 obviously Memphis was included Uh, we know there are a lot of deep relationships there between Memphis and Debo Coleman but with this many schools involved in his recruitment it kind of makes you think okay is this something that's getting slow played is he one of those kids that's going to wait till very last minute May or June it's going to be a bit it's going (laughs) to be a while so uh he's probably not on the on the front of the priority list right now, he's probably a little bit more on the back burner with this many schools involved. But Memphis does have another target in four-star Jordan Nesbitt, a guy that we all three have been extremely high on since Memphis got involved. Looks like he's very close to making a decision. Uh, and inside the next month, he's planning on making a commitment. So uh, that's that's obviously one of Memphis's top priorities. We know they're deep. They did get involved a little bit late, but made up a lot of ground. Uh, we've talked about it multiple times on the VIP boards, podcast articles, uh, whatever it is. And when we've talked or written about Jordan Nesbitt, talked about how well Memphis' staff has gotten involved, uh, made themselves a legitimate player in his recruitment. Um, and then coming down the final stretch, they obviously have an opportunity to be the school that he chooses to play his college ball at. Yeah, so rewinding a little bit to Debo, um, I think you're you're spot on. I think, you know, Memphis obviously likes Debo and they have a relationship with Debo. They've been recruiting him for a while, but you know, Debo and Jordan Nesbitt are very similar and I think Jordan Nesbitt deciding on October the 1st, you know, cutting his list down over the next week and a half or so, deciding on his birthday at the beginning of October, 
it puts a, a you know kind of a priority on Jordan Nesbitt in that position. So I think it, it will be a while, and I think just because of the way that Memphis has prioritized him, I think other schools are trying to capitalize on that. Uh, I do know that from people close to the Ole Miss program that that they feel really good about where they sit with Debo Coleman. Um, so let's just say, you know, Memphis, Memphis misses on their top priority at that spot in Jordan Nesbitt, and they have to turn to Debo Coleman or somebody else. They they obviously have to shift priority, reinvest time in them, and make up ground where they they kind of left off, um, and let other schools prioritize and make up ground. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I think the obvious thing and the the biggest takeaway from talking about these two guys is that. If Memphis lands Jordan Nesbitt, you can pretty much write off Debo Coleman. Um, so on to Jordan. Yeah, I mean, he's deciding in the next two and a half weeks. Um, we've talked extensively about Jordan Nesbitt and where Memphis fits. Um, we've already released his top three in VIP. So, um, you know, if you want to know those three schools, obviously by us talking about it, we're kind of giving away that Memphis will be in there. Um, but there's additional stuff in that, that kind of gives an idea of what the order is right now, where Memphis is and what kind of spot they're in. But obviously coming down the stretch, Memphis has prioritized him heavily and, you know, they will continue to do that up until his decision date. And so that's got to leave you feeling pretty good about how they feel about him. So we'll see another guy though that Memphis is prioritized before you move on. Yeah. Before you move on Brooks, I have a question for you. Shoot. Um, and this is, this is kind of going back to the discussion about, um, recruiting of, of players and how they drop their top 20, top 15s to, then you've got a guy like Jordan, who's top three, then he's going to announce. Um, but, and I don't want, I'm not asking you to describe how the tigers are recruiting both, Jordan and Debo, but in your experience in recruitment and, and those kinds of things, when a player is, um, someone who is about to make a decision and then you've got a player who's looks like it's going to be a long play kind of a situation in terms of his decision, how, what's the recruitment look like there for a team? like for the coaching staff, like what are they doing? Yeah. I mean, obviously if you're prioritizing a guy, you're doing things like trying to push up his decision. You're trying to move it closer to current day. You want them deciding in your favor, closer to today's date than further away. And if you're putting a guy as maybe your second, third, fourth priority, you are trying to push him further away in his decision. You're trying to say, take your time, evaluate your options. Let us continue building a relationship. Um, and, and you treat the guys the same way. It's just in your pitch. You know, when you are talking to your a number one, the guy you want more than anybody, it's let's get this done. Let's get it done today. Like, you know, you love us. We have a great relationship. We fit your, your style of play fits our style of play. You know what we do. Our stage 
is as big as any of the other options as you got. Let's get it done. And that's completely different than what you're doing with a guy that's further down the list. So I think that's the biggest thing, but you treat those relationships the same way. It's just in your pitch. It's just small, subtle changes that allow you to, to tell a guy like a Jordan Nesbitt, let's go, get it done. Let's go, go ahead and get your spot. Go ahead and fill that seat. We got 13 spots. You get yours. So, um, does that answer your question? That's a perfect answer. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. So moving on, another priority, CMA Umide. Uh, this hasn't been put out anywhere. We put it out in VIP, but I'll just say that for those listening who are not VIP members, um, you might want to go check out VIP um, because Jordan Nesbitt may not be the only guy that that is making his commitment known relatively soon. So just, uh, you know, Memphis has obviously put a ton of time and effort in there. You see a ton of his tweets. He retweets. There's a ton of Providence uh, Friar blogs and edits guys that tweet him edits and he retweets it. So you can see they're in there. Kansas is a recent offer. So there are schools at play there that are trying to make plays. But um, Memphis, again, has invested a lot of time and effort into building that relationship. So um, stay tuned on Sam as well. Just keep your ear to the ground. Don't be shocked. So if you don't subscribe to VIP and one day in the near future, if you wake up and suddenly see that Sam Ayamide is, you know, maybe deciding or about to announce or maybe has announced out of nowhere, you shouldn't be shocked. You should have signed up. So, um, that's Brooks. I'm in a channel. Yeah. I'm in a channel. Um, some, some, uh, conversations that are probably happening about Sam Ayomide right now from tiger fans. Okay. Um, but Brooks, this guy is, he's a, a three star. Um, he's nationally a one four, 148 in the country. Like, why are the Tigers going after him? I've got two words. Two words. Josh Minot. That's it. That's all I need to tell you. Memphis evaluated Josh Minot and said, this guy is big time. This guy fits. This guy is a really, really good player. This guy is top 35 level in our eyes. And guess what? He committed to Memphis. And it wasn't because he committed to Memphis. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with evaluation of film, the ability to see him on the summer circuit, on streams. Now he is a top 35 player. Pretty crazy, right? You look at Josh Minot's offer list. Texas, Maryland, Memphis. I mean, the list goes FSU. FSU is like one of the hottest teams in the country net right now. They're cherry picking anybody they want, it feels like. And they wanted Josh Minot. They were heavily prioritizing him. And then you go over to Sam Amide. Man, Kansas wants this dude. Kansas, the, the Kansas that is known for developing bigs. The the Kansas that has Huddy. You know, is their strength and conditioning coach that's known for developing bigs and their bodies? Joel Embiid, 
Kansas, Azabuki, Kansas, like the the pedigree big man school, they want them, and they've they've offered them. You're telling me that you somehow think he's chopped liver and they want him. I would say that you know look at Memphis's track record, look at Kansas's track record. If they want him, if they're evaluating evaluating him and prioritizing him like that. He's got to be good. Just because his rankings don't reflect that does not mean that that's the truth. Because here's the thing. 2020 is the weirdest year on the face of the planet. Probably the weirdest year we will ever see, knock on wood. I hope so. But the rankings are weird. There was no spring evaluation. There's no summer evaluation. Sam, you know, up in Philly, their AAU season got canceled. They've only had like a little, a few small closed combine type type of situations, and even he has not played in them. So, just the lack of exposure on you know national eyes from a recruiting perspective, they haven't been on them. So, how can you rank a guy in the top fifty, top forty, if you haven't seen him? You can't. Yeah, that's and, it. And something so interesting, we talk about nuances of recruiting all the time. It's something that gets brought up almost on the on a weekly basis on the podcast. And another nuance of recruiting that to me is always very interesting are the rankings and how they are viewed from a national perspective because rankings are great. They, they give us a basis for what players are, for what they can be expected to do by the time they get to a certain point in their career. So I think recruiting rankings are an incredible tool. Obviously, they're very used around the country, not just by consumers, but by coaching staffs as well. So they're a very good tool for recruiting. But something to very important to remember about them is they are not the end-all, be-all because they are controlled by humans, and humans are imperfect. And that's that's something that really can't be disputed. Uh, and something that's also very interesting interesting to me is staffs that can evaluate talent early. That's always been something that I pay attention to because it really shows you how good a staff is at looking at a player, watching his film, seeing him in person, and immediately identifying, okay, this guy fits with us, or he's a talented player, but he doesn't really fit what we want to do. So I love watching it. Mike Norvell was an incredible identifier of talent in his time at Memphis. You look at some of the guys that he started recruiting early and then ended up in SEC schools or Power 5 schools because Mike Norvell and his staff are the are, are the team that exposed them and the coaching staff that exposed them. And now you're seeing Memphis's basketball staff do that. Obviously, Brooks, the example you mentioned, Josh Minot, wasn't getting a lot of love on a national basis as far as recruiting ranking went, but he was getting the offers. People obviously saw what he was doing. And Memphis was one of the first schools that went to him and prioritized him. And then you see what happens now with him once he's committed and guys start paying attention to him, going back, watching his film. And I think regardless of where Sam Amide goes, if it's Providence, Kansas, Memphis, uh, any other school, once he's committed and the eyes go on him from national guys and they start watching his film again and go back and uh, and do their due diligence, I think he skyrockets up the rankings too. And I'm not saying that just because he's a, a high-priority Memphis target. Like I said, wherever he goes, I think that's the case with him. Wherever he commits, when he commits, I think he shoots up the rankings. So, that's something we have to always remember. There's a lot of nuances in recruiting. Recruiting rankings are just another one of them, uh, and they're obviously you know subject to change at all times. So very interesting if you pay attention, if you watch, and if you see where these coaching staffs are plucking players from or picking players from, and then to see them shoot up the rankings once 
uh, once they are committed to a school or recruiting analysts start paying attention. So just another little nuance that I find very interesting that, that I always try to monitor. Well, another interesting thing that just came out today, we are recording on a Tuesday evening is that class of 2021 point guard Carter Witt is withdrawing from Brewster Academy and appears that he plans to enroll mid-season at a college. And and yes, as of today, more than likely, Carter Witt is headed to Nebraska, uh, barring some crazy change. It's a very interesting development. Carter is obviously a guy playing for Team Thad, uh, the staff has developed a relationship with and has prioritized since moving on from Kennedy Chandler quite a while ago and J.D. Davison more recently. The good news for Memphis is that they don't absolutely have to have a point guard, uh, but the other good news is that they have other guys that they have right behind him on that priority list, but um uh, Definitely an interesting decision because for me personally, like Carter Witt's the guy, his body's not 100% college ready. Uh, you know, the more time that he has to physically develop and get ready for college, the better. And to enroll early, I don't know. I mean, maybe he'll do great. I just don't necessarily know that Nebraska and that fit within that conference are a great style and fit for him i could be wrong um so but go get you some cornbread girls bud uh i think that's (laughs) i mean i don't really know what else to say about that but you know memphis obviously uh did want carter but it looks as of today like they are going to miss so guys you got anything else you want to talk about any any rants you want to go on today all right Silence is a no. In that case, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 